Today on the Political Theory of Everything, I will be giving you your daily dose of news for today's date, Monday, August 16th. I am sure you can guess what our news is going to be mainly about today. Um, Afghanistan, because frankly, that's one of the main things happening and almost the only thing happening right now. Um, I decided that I would do two conservative articles and two left-leaning articles uh, about the uh, Afghan story, um, Afghan situation, and then also just finish off with one from um, The Blaze, per usual, uh, about some other topic. But that way we have two and two. It's a fair, you know, competition between the two. You can see how um, if there's any difference in the in how it's portrayed, you know, if if one side blames a certain person and the other side blames another person, uh, you will get to see that difference here as we go through the four of them. Um, but the Afghan situation, I'm sure you guys have heard already all about it. The president um, of Afghanistan has left Afghanistan. Um, it's not even Afghanistan anymore. I believe it's called the um, uh, Israel is uh, Israeli. Oh my gosh. Islamic uh, Emirate of Afghanistan is what I believe it's called, and so we have we have that being the new name of it, and now now it's taken over by the Taliban. The Taliban um, are in the capital, or not the capital, but you know, like their parliamentary areas and such, and so a lot of people were saying that it looks like what happened on January six, and I just want to like start with that right there because it's like we're talking about Taliban with tanks and machine guns like AK-40 like we have heavy weaponry RPGs all these things heavy weaponry inside like this is not like January 6 nobody was bringing even a semi-automatic gun into the building let alone fully automatic and so this is not the same scenario plus January 6 no they barely like got anywhere right now Afghanistan is completely overthrown it's a new government in power right now. Um, very different situations. Plus 1,000 people versus 75,000-ish Taliban, like it's not the same thing. Less than 1,000 people, I believe. But just to get on to the stories now, uh, starting with the Daily Wire. There, we have, I guess you could say, really two enemies almost. Uh, we'll have the Daily Wire and then CNN and then Fox News and then CBS. So kind of like these four enemies of each other almost in the news industry, all talking about the same story, roughly. I tried to pick different topics, um, but this is where we see the White House finally spoke about it today. Uh, the Pentagon, uh, press secretary, I couldn't find the clip. Um, I've listened to it a bunch, but it's within these, there's like three hours worth of film I'd have to go through for this like 10 second clip, and I just, I don't have the time to do that. Um, but he basically says, you know, um, he says on Friday or Thursday, Thursday or Friday, he says the takeover of Kabul, Kabul wouldn't be a Friday to Monday thing. It actually ended up being a Friday and by Saturday night they were in the inside of Kabul. So it's just ironic that he says that I will try to find the clip through outside sources, then through, you know, into the actual audio and play it for you guys. Uh, but it won't be in this episode at least. We'll see if I can pull it into others. But here we go. The Daily Wire. Title. 
U.S. resumes flights out of Afghanistan after airport security breach. Seven were confirmed dead, or subtitle, sorry. Seven were confirmed dead amid the chaos at the Kabul airport. So this is something that was talked about because I, the White House basically tweeted out and said it, the evacuation has been completed. Um, but the thing is, you still had people at the Kabul airport, so it's like, no, it obviously hasn't been uh, completed. They're, I mean, yeah, they're out of the, the, the embassy, but that's it. They are yet to actually get on the plane and be in the air and out of Afghani airspace. And so, no, it hasn't been completed yet successfully. And so here we go with the article. The United States will resume flights out of Afghanistan on Monday evening after flights were suspended earlier in the uh, um, in the day because of a security breach at Kabul's airport, international airport. John Kirby, the Pentagon's chief spokesman, said Monday that the flights had been halted due to a security breach on the civilian side of the airport. Video on the ground at Hamid Karzai International Airport showed dozens of panicked Afghans running alongside a U.S. Air Force jet as it took off. Later, people could seen, be seen in the distance falling from the airplane after it had already taken off. So, these videos and all that were on the internet. Uh, I saw two, two in a row on social media as I swiped two back-to-back -back videos of people falling out of these jets. You could see their bodies falling to the ground. Um in this situation and so that's the main reason why they had to halt the flights out uh, at least seven were confirmed dead amid the chaos at the airport a preliminary report indicated that one u.s soldier had also been injured according to john kirby from the pentagon uh, at a Pentagon news conference on Monday afternoon, Director of Defense Intelligence Gary Gary Reed said the military expects to speed up the evacuations of the Afghan refugees. Um, State Department spokesperson Ned Price added at a separate briefing that the U.S. is, quote, of course prioritizing American citizens, end quote, for evacuation. He said, however, that the State Department is requesting that U.S. citizens shelter in place and not travel to the Kabul airport. The U.S. moved its embassy operations to the airport over the weekend as the Taliban descended on Kabul. The Taliban took over the country's capital and the presidential palace on, in Kabul on Sunday with little to no resistance after the collapse of the Afghan government. Um, so there you have it. Um, there's still a bit more in this article, but we're going to pause for a quick second because it was also said that they would not leave the embassy there and all these other things you know that they would keep the embassy things like that and within a day obviously that didn't happen um so over the last several weeks the terrorist group advanced across the country at a breakneck pace that appeared to stun u.s officials many of the afghanistan security forces that have been trained by the u.s either fled or blanched in the face of the taliban's advances across the country blanched basically just means um like fall like fail in the face of it just they just gave up basically um president joe biden authorized a total of 7,000 troops to handle the deteriorating situation in afghanistan as the u.s completes its withdrawal of all u.s troops from the country marking the end of the americans america's 20-year war in afghanistan on monday afternoon biden addressed the nation on the u.s u.s withdrawal uh, which was widely criticized as botched and defended his decision to leave People are saying, like, oh my gosh, look, America lost again. But, like, the thing is, this was Afghanistan's war. We were more so there so to limit terrorist threats against us. And so we left saying, basically, um, the threat of terrorism against our country is gone. Uh, so we have no more reason to fight here. So in a way, you could say we won, and then we decided to leave 
because the Afghan government falls, somehow that means America loses. It makes no sense, but there you are. On Monday afternoon, Biden addressed the nation in the U.S. withdrawal and was widely criticized as botched, uh, which was widely criticized as botched, and defended his decision to leave. Uh, he basically says how many more generations would have had to do the exact same thing, how many more lives, how many more American lives. Um, the question is now that the terrorists have control, how are they going to work with other countries to then hurt us? So will it end up... Um, will it end up actually truly negating, ne uh, affecting us tr very negatively in the long run? Uh, but Biden then continued to blame former President Donald Trump as well as the Afghan military for the chaotic departure. Um, uh, yeah, so that's basically the entirety of this article. Now we're going to go over to uh, CNN's view of it. So it's my, maybe it's going to be a bit different. We'll see here. Title, Inside Biden's Defiant Afghanistan Response. Um, well, that didn't take very long, did it now? Um, it seems already that they are... They are already... I, I, I don't know. Defiant sounds relatively positive, meaning like, look what he did in the face of... Uh, the Taliban, or whatever. By the time images of desperate Afghans clinging to American warplanes began emerging from Kabul on Monday morning, President Joe Biden had conceded to AIDS. He had little but choice but to interrupt his stay at Camp David to return to the White House. I mean, this is one thing I noticed with like CNN and all these like left-wing type things is they make it more of a story than it's just like, this is what's happening. Meaning like, by the time images of desperate Afghans clinging to American warplanes. It just almost sounds like the opening of a book. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, he had been facing calls even from his political allies to speak out on the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. His top aides had begun publicly admitting that they were caught off guard by the speed of which the Afghan military would collapse, but wanted the situation in Kabul to stabilize before Biden addressed the nation. And his own words from earlier this summer describing a Taliban takeover as unlikely, quote-unquote unlikely, Biden said that it was unlikely, uh, were aggravated, um, were aggravating the sense of a commander-in-chief caught badly off guard. During briefings, the president quizzed his team about how they could have misjudged the time it would take uh, for the Afghan army to collapse. According to people familiar with the matter, he also uh, voiced dismay at the failure of Ashraf Gandhi, the ousted Afghan president who fled the country on Sunday, to adhere to a plan he laid out on the in the Oval Office in June to prevent the Taliban from taking over major cities. Uh, what was that plan? Throughout the weekend, Biden had remained at the presidential retreat, receiving briefings on, and screen, on screens or over the phone while sitting alone at a conference table. Advisors huddled separately to discuss when and how he should address the nation. When he returned to the White House midday Monday, many of his aides assumed he would at least spend the night. Yet, almost as soon as Biden touched down at Washington, word went out that his stay at the executive mansion would be brief. After his 18-minute speech, Biden quickly decamped again for the mountains. As advisors worked feverishly on Monday to calibrate the president's speech, there was far less worry about the predictable criticism from Republicans than about how Biden's own words and calculations over the last several months had been so wrong. Um, the episode puts into sharper, sharp relief uh, two of Biden's most marked political traits, a stubborn defensive streak and a fierce certainty in his decision-making that allows little room for second-guessing. That's one way to put it. 
Um, those traits led to an air of defiance hanging over the White House on Monday. Uh, but remarkable images of the chaos in Kabul, which the president called gut-wrenching, stood as irrefutable evidence of failure. The task of what to do next will be left to Biden. Uh, see what I mean? Like, as much less quotes and such, uh, like Daily Wire, I didn't even read the quotes to you, but Daily Wire had like six paragraphs worth of quotes, while here we've quoted like two words, and that's about it. Um, th there's, there's, it's a very long article, and frankly, I see one two, three, four, four, four or five quotes in this entire thing just by scrolling through. Um, but it, it's a very long article. We're not going to continue on. But um, that is kind of a different view. of uh, That was more so about, you know, him coming back and talking about that. Uh, like I said, it's more of a story, to be honest, from this one. It's, it's It doesn't really seem like a, this is an update on what's happening. Um, it's more of a story about, I, I don't even know. I'm like, I, I feel like I didn't gain any knowledge from that. Um, but maybe there's more stuff lower in the article that we aren't getting to. But who knows? Now to Fox News. Title, Biden points fingers for Afghanistan debacle after promising he wouldn't, quote, blame others, end quote. Biden, subtitle, Biden's Afghanistan remarks contrasted with his campaign promise to take responsibility and not blame others. Um, so... Biden appeared to go back on his campaign promise to, quote-unquote, take responsibility as commander-in-chief and not, quote, blame others, quote, uh, during his speech on the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan that has seen the Taliban swiftly retake control of the country and outcome, an outcome Biden previously claimed was, quote, highly unlikely, end quote. Um... Biden on Monday suggested that the withdrawal debacle was the result of the peace deal he, quote-unquote, inherited from former President Donald Trump and claimed his only options were between, quote, escalating the conflict and sending thousands of American troops back in Afghanistan, end quote. Um, uh, quote, I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces, end quote, Biden said. So Biden also pointed fingers at the Afghan army for lacking, quote, the will to fight, end quote, for their future. And he said the slow-moving pace of evacuating the U.S.-Afghan allies was in part because, quote, some of the Afghans did not want to leave earlier, still hopeful for their country, end quote. The comments contrast with then-candidate Biden's promise to do his, quote, job and take responsibility, end quote, for his actions. Um, this was the tweet from June 4th of 2020 before his... Um, election or before he was elected uh so here it is here's the tweet quote it's hard to believe that this has to be said but unlike this president i'll do my job and take responsibility i won't blame others and i'll never forget that the job isn't about me it's about you end quote when pressed for comment white house spokesperson andrew bates points out how biden also said quote the buck stops with me end quote White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tweeted in defense of the president's remarks, saying Biden, quote, made clear that he would not ask Americans to fight and die um, in a war that the Afghan military is not willing to fight for itself, end quote. The president's East Room remarks uh, came after he traveled back to D.C. from Camp David, where he had bunkered down amid the fallout of Afghanistan's stunning collapse. Biden took no questions after the speech, hurrying out of the East Room and traveling back to the presidential retreat. Um, so there's that one. A lot more quotes, uh, less story-like, uh, but really, really good. Um, I guess now that leaves us with CBS. Title. 
Quote, it was a sacrifice that was for naught. End quote. Veterans and Gold Star families react to the fall of Afghanistan. Over the last two decades, more than 750,000 American service members have been deployed to Afghanistan. Amid the chaos in the country, the U.S. as the U.S. pulls out, many were wondering if their sacrifices were wasted. Quote, I'm on the verge of breaking down because this is just, this is just like we gave so much and just like that it's wiped out, end quote, said Juan Dominguez, who was a Marine Lance Corporal when he was sent to the Taliban heartland of Hamland, Helmand, um, province in 2010. Um, continuing on, uh, it was there that his battalion lost 25 men. Doming Dominguez, who lost both his legs and an arm, said his thoughts are with the Afghans who helped the Marines and are now at the mercy of the Taliban. Quote, we have seemingly turned our backs on them and just pray. Pray for them because our government didn't help them get safe passage out, end quote, he said. Retired Army Colonel David Brostrom lost his son Jonathan at the Battle of Wanat in 2008. Quote, it's a disgrace to this country to depart like this. This is very disheartening, end quote. Um, continuing on, quote, you know, my son died trying to protect his fellow soldiers, but for the ultimate cause of stabilizing the country and establishing a good government, yes, it was a sacrifice that was for naught, end quote. He said when asked if it felt like his, his son died for nothing. Over the past 20 years, more than 2,400 U.S. service members were killed and 22,000 wounded in the war. Um, it's... Once again, this is a very different story. This is more so about just the impact of leaving. So, continuing on. Amid criticism of the U.S. withdrawal and its implementation, President Biden defended his decision on Monday. He acknowledged that the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, quote, did not unfold more quickly, or did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated, end quote, but said he would not ask more U.S. service members to risk their lives in a conflict that, quote, should have ended long ago, end quote. Um, continuing on, Biden's, quote, uh, he says, quote, I know my decision will be criticized, but I would rather take all that criticism than pass this decision on to other, another president of the United States. How many more generations of America's daughters and sons would you have, would you have me send to fight Afghanistan's civil war when Afghan troops would not? How many more American lives uh, are worth it? Well, actually, that's what he said. He said, how many more American lives is it worth? Sorry, not worth it. Uh, end quote. So there is that article, uh, more so about how people are feeling about it mainly the the people either lost loved ones or were in afghanistan themselves um but this whole situation in afghanistan just it's like well it's not our country to protect it's like okay then screw poland when germany took over it like why do we why did we attack germany we didn't we you know we all we all we needed to attack was japan they're the only ones who attacked us you know, who, who cares if Britain and France and all them fall because if they're not willing, you know, if they're not strong enough to fight for themselves, then, you know, that's their issue, not ours. Like, no, you, the Taliban are bad people, and you're trying to protect Afghans who are good or better people from them, from terrorists. Um, it's just, it's as if, uh, I mean, I guess you're, you're, the idea of it is to protect Americans before protecting Taliban, but, like, at the same time, um, it's just, it's just a difficult and unfortunate situation, uh, but we move on to a topic different so that we remember two and two, so it's equal. So we move on to something different from the blaze title, California pastor giving out COVID vaccine, quote unquote, exemption letters. Um, 
I'm trying to see. I can't see what it says, but there's a photo of a paper, and I think it's just basically a. Um, I can't. I can't read it at all, but it looks like it's um, a religious exemption uh, sheet. So, a pastor in Rockland, California, is handing out vaccine uh, exemption letters in order to enable people to avoid vaccine mandates based on the freedom of religion. Destiny Christian Church pastor Greg Farrington says he's not anti-vaccine. He's just pro-freedom. Uh, basically, like. Um, He basically is saying that, you know, um, if it's your choice to get the vaccine, go ahead. Cool. You know, that's you. Just uh, it's unfair that you're forcing people into it. Uh, it should be someone's choice is basically why he's signing him. Quote, on Sunday, we prayed for educators, nurse, nurses, doctors, and first responders who are getting mandated to get the vaccine or lose their job. Many feel morally compromised by taking it. Let this prayer speak to the, you if you're in the same situation. End quote. Uh, he said on a post in social media from the church. Uh, so the government of California has ordered that all state employees be vaccinated or undergo COVID-19 testing twice a week. Farrington said that many state employees called him asking for help so that they could keep their jobs without taking the vaccine. Quote, people have a moral objection to taking a vaccine, end quote, he explained to KCRA TV. Uh, Farrington said he developed the letter so that people could ignore the state order based on their constitutional freedom of religion. Quote, there should not be a mandate in place. Uh, it should be the freedom of, con it should be the freedom of conscience. They can make a choice. And so, yes, we're going to receive criticism and we understand that, but we understand that America is the land of the free. We get to make choices here. End quote. Farrington said that some people told him that they traveled for two hours in order to get their exemption letters. He says the response has been overwhelming. Um, yeah, that's where he just says, he's like, we're not anti-vax. That's not the point. We just want people to be able to make a choice. And he continues on and says that some of his closest and, and dearest and best friends have and took have taken the vaccine and he has nothing against them. Um, it's just that he is trying to get it so that people have a choice instead of being mandated by uh, the government to take it, uh, even when they wish not to do so. And so um, that concludes our... A daily dose of news, even though it's mainly about uh, one topic, uh, but it's frankly the most important and biggest topic right now, as everything else has been talked about previously and is just reoccurring pretty much. Um, this is something that really has popped up out of nowhere. And so um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday and the rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening.